Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of the Round Ball Ramble Podcast. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter if you are so inclined at Corbin NBA. This is a sports ethos presentation, so make sure to check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos Online, SportsEthos.com. S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S. They have everything. Basketball, baseball, football, disc golf. That's right, disc golf, gambling, fantasy, all of it. You want it, they have it. So check them out one more time on Twitter at Sports Ethos, online, sportsethos.com. All right, y'all, we're going back to some of my favorite topics, which are the team dives, uh, you know, the transaction time. We're getting close, a couple weeks away from the trade deadline. Uh, but we are also getting closer and closer when these lottery balls are really going to start to matter. And so now it is time for our, I want to say, bi-monthly check-in whatever the case may be, looking at these lottery teams, um, it's a lottery team check-in. And I am joined, as usual, for these shows by my good friend, by author, uh, foreign basketball analytics consultant, uh, Richard Liu. Check him out on Twitter, at RVLHoops. Uh, make sure to check out his Substack and his Amazon author page. I'll have both links in the description below this show. So definitely make sure to do that. Richard, how are you today, sir? Uh, yeah, doing great. Yeah, great to be here. Yeah, it definitely is something I'm excited to have you back on and to talk some lottery teams, uh, just talk some basketball in general. Uh, We have a lot of parity, you know, in the West still. The East is definitely shaking out uh, a lot more, a little bit in terms of teams that are better and teams that are kind of sinking toward the bottom. And the West has some clearly bad teams now. So we kind of want to go into it. If you fire up Tankathon, if y'all listening, already have here for your listening pleasure we already have some of these teams here we're going to do a little checkup on the board a little little race update houston right now sits at number one they're 10 and 35 they have lost 12 games lost 10 in a row right behind them is the detroit pistons who are 12 and 36 they've lost their last three three and seven in their last 10 right behind them is charlotte they're 12 and 34 they've won their last game but they're two and eight in their last 10 another team two and eight in their last 10 is san antonio uh, they had a big 36-point game from Keldon Johnson to beat the Spurs. But uh, aside from that, they're 14 and 31. Uh, then you get a little bit better. Uh, you get the Orlando Magic. They're 16 and 28. They've lost two in a row. They are three and seven in their last 10. And then you get this glut of teams that really don't want to be in this mix. You have the Washington Wizards at 19 and 26. Uh, they're five and five in their last 10. The Raptors are also five and five in their last 10. They are 20 and 25. Tied with them are the Lakers, who are at 20 and 25. Uh, they lost their last game to the Kings in a nail-biter. They're 6-4 and four in their last 10, awaiting the return of Anthony Davis uh, at the start of next month. Phoenix, actually, surprise, surprise. Phoenix has been in a slump come the new year, just been abysmal. Uh, they've lost three in a row. They're 1-9 in their last 10. They're 21-24. and 24. And then tied with them, but also sitting at 10th, is Chicago. They're 21-24, 5 and 5 in their last 10. They've won their last two. Uh, just important to note, I mentioned Lakers and the um, Bulls because of their record. But the Lakers pick would go to the Pelicans. And as it currently stands, Chicago's pick, uh, I think, is going to Orlando. It's not top four protected. Yeah, so that's just update on the 10. Uh, we're going to round out the lottery. Portland, Minnesota, Oklahoma City, and Indiana round that out. But we're not going to go too deep into them. We're looking at the teams that are still, you know, right at that race for women. Yama, for Scoot Henderson, the Thompson Twins, all of that. Uh, and so 
Richard, I throw it over to you. We've kind of gone down some of these teams here in terms of where they stand in this race to the bottom. Uh, what team do you want to dive in first? I know you do a lot of scouting to these squads and take some notes and observations. Yeah, just kind of start looking at, you know, the two teams in Texas, San Antonio, Houston. It's kind of interesting with these two teams because they're taking kind of two different they're taking different approaches to rebuilding so on the one hand you have houston which is kind of on more of an individual focus where they're kind of where they're concentrating more on kind of building up you know guys like jalen green jabari smith sangoon but there isn't really kind of a unifying system or structure so it's a little so it's a lot more chaotic. There's been some reports coming down about, you know, kind of the culture and how, how it might be negatively kind of impacting their development. So it's interesting kind of to see how this is all kind of playing out as they kind of go into this, uh, as they go through their rebuild as you know, they're, they've been, you know, involved in this for about two, three seasons. So, and to see if it's actually going to, you know, if there's any hope for improvement, whereas on the flip side, you have San Antonio, which is using kind of a, a more system oriented approach. They still kind of keep their, they still keep their same structure, but they just kind of just don't have, they just don't have the talent to really kind of make the system work. So you still see little bits and flashes where, you know, you see some, some, some of the, some of the, effective tactics from kind of past Spurs teams, but they just can't sustain that over 48 minutes a night. So, so they're, they're kind of at the bottom for a very different reason. So if you look at Houston, yeah, a lot of this is, yeah, there's not a whole lot of structure. They've, there've been some, you know, they've been, you know, some things that have come out recently, John Wall had an interview talking about some of the things that kind of went on with, their culture and how, you know, even though maybe he was feeling that he could produce for the team, they would, they wanted to, they wanted to prioritize the playing time of their younger players, specifically Kevin Porter Jr. and Jalen Green. And he kind of, you know, pushed back against that. And so, and then, you know, Eric Gordon's kind of been un, unhappy for the last few years because he's, you know, a veteran player and he's still, he's kind of stuck in this rebuilding situation. And so they asked him if, you know, there were signs of improvement and he said, you know, there isn't any improvement. Things have been kind of going on as they've, as they've been. So, so then, yeah. So that whole kind of is the backdrop of kind of how they're trying to develop their, you know, develop some pretty, you know, some pretty good, talented young players with some potential like Jalen Green, Jabari Smith, Singoon, Kevin Porter Jr. But it's, but kind of the the approach has kind of been very disjointed. They don't always, um, they don't always do the kind of the little things that you know, like defending or ball movement, that ball movement that really kind of correlate more, correlate to winning. So, and then you know they it's a little bit more of a free for all in terms of, you know, kind of who, who kind of leads the offense, who they run their offense through. So at times, you know, kind of, you'll get Kevin Porter Jr. And Jalen Green getting a little shot happy. So then Jabari Smith doesn't always get, doesn't feel like he's getting touches. So then whenever he does touch the ball, he has a, he has a real, 
he, you know, he feels like he needs to shoot it every time or else he's not going to get the ball. And then you have, have these occasional little bursts from Singoon where you see, you know, great passing of, you know, ability and, you know, maybe the, uh, the potential to be kind of a focal point, kind of a, a hub for their kind of, for their offense that can allow them to kind of score off different kind of passing and cutting kind of plays, but they just kind of just don't do this very often. So this is, so it, in a, in addition to, you know, possibly getting a win, Binyama, they, you know, one of the big things that really, that sticks out when watching them is they really need some kind of structure to really kind of put, bring things together into some kind of unifying kind of, into kind of some kind of unifying scheme that, you know, allows everyone to play at their best. So, you know, they probably, you know, there's, they might need to make a coaching change at some point to make this happen. So, and that's, you know, we're. I was about to ask about that. Like, do you think that you have the man for the job in Stevens house? Because on the one hand, I feel like, He's kind of been given a, a raw deal in terms of the lack of development, not playing John Wall, you know what I mean? And that sort of way. At the same time, though, some of the lines he's been putting out there, some of the strategies coaching-wise or lack thereof, uh, there's a lot of freedom these young guys to just go out there, roll the ball, and play, and they're just not that type of team. Uh, that, do you think that coaching change has to be made kind of to continue in their improvement based off what you've seen? Um, Based on the evidence of the last couple, I mean, yeah, he did kind of get – a little bit of a raw deal because he, you know, he came in, they thought, they thought, you know, they were going to run one more, you know, kind of run mo- one more year, kind of retooled around James Harden. But then, you know, he made his trade demand. And so then that kind of, then, you know, kind of, they had to, you know, pivot to go to this rebuild, but in, you know, but so far in this kind of rebuilding situation, they've, they haven't really, you know, you know, they haven't really made a lot of positive progress and things kind of appear to be pretty stagnant. And I think if there is an opportunity to upgrade to someone that's more of a system oriented coach can, can kind of integrate their talent in a more cohesive way, maybe also bring in some veterans that can kind of, kind of instill better habits and, things like that, better habits and kind of, you know, work, work ethic and, you know, kind of, you know, winning mentality to kind of their team. It might, it, it might, it might be worth looking at, you know, somebody like, you know, coach that comes to mind would be, you know, somebody like Kenny, you know, Kenny Atkinson, who's, you know, currently, you know, one of the lead assistant for the Warriors, mm-hmm. you know, where, you know, he had, you know, he had some success in, in Brooklyn, in a situ, in a in a much different rebuilding situation where they had no first, really no high lottery picks of any kind, just kind of cast offs, but found a way just through, you know, found a way to kind of cobble cobble things together to just gradually make them more competitive to the point where they made the playoffs and mm-hmm. were attractive enough to sign Durant and Kyrie Irving, and then unfortunately when that Blew up in their face. That, yeah. That, yeah, they they got there. You know that. You know Kenny Atkinson kind of got. You know, kind of. Yeah. Kind of had to like take, a bridge take coach. Thank you. Yeah. So I mean, he. Yeah, yeah. If they get, you know, if, if they're at that stage where they got to transition from just accumulating assets and high potential 
high potential pieces to eventually transitioning to a a winning team you know somebody like an you know like kenny atkinson would be would be good for, would be good for them I like that. I think that's a tremendous um, pick, especially since Atkinson can be that guy. Like you said, chicken chicken soup out of chicken something else, right? Or chicken salad out of chicken scratch. We'll just say that, right? And you're right. Those Brooklyn teams are fun. They had some innovative offensive principles that really made the use of the players that they had at hand. You know, they had just enough defense. They, they played very solidly. You're right. And he got them up to a certain point. So maybe he's not the player to manage star talents, right? We, we saw how that might have worked. But then again, Brooke, Kyrie and Kevin Durant, although they are definitely stars, they're a different type of, of, of player. And besides, I mean, the Rockets are nowhere near that, right? It will be interesting, I think, first to see, and this is whether or not they do go and grab Atkinson. Like, this is whether or not he's a choice. It depends on what they do in free agency. And the reason I say it is because there's been reports that the Rockets want to make a big splash in free agency, whether that is, you know, someone like a James Harden, a Chris Middleton, a Draymond Green, all these guys, a Fred Van Vliet that are available. Mind you, I think a Van Vliet would fit nice. I think a Middleton would fit nice as well. I think you have a little more of an issue. Well, actually, no, Draymond Green, I think, will have a good rapport because he's already on their coaching staff right now. Um, Atkinson is. I think, you know, James Harden would be a interesting mix. Uh, you know, it'd be a little, it'd be a little different with some of the more prickly personalities. So I think kind of, in fact, let me just throw this to you as, as a question. Depending on what the Rockets do, and this is something we'll talk a bit, a little bit later down the road, depending on what the Rockets do in free agency, if they go after a big fish, do you change your mind on maybe having Atkinson as the coach or were you thinking this more of Atkinson's being the, the archetype of a coach you're looking for? Maybe not the specific model. Yeah. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting question. Cause you also, when it, you know, and an, ele- um, an element that kind of plays into this is um, owner Tillman Fertitta has historically not been a guy who has been willing to pay luxury tax. And so, and that came, mm-hmm. that came to uh, like, that came into play in, you know, around 2017, 2018, when they were contending, because there were trades that were made kind of around the trade deadline, instead of adding, they would shave a little bit of pay, you know, you know, add some, add some draft picks into a trade to shave some payroll to like to cut the luxury tax bill. So in a situation of hiring a coach would Tillman Fertitta actually pay top dollar to get a prime coaching candidate. So then, so then the shift would then come to, you know, free agency, you know, they're still mandated, mandated salary floors and they would have this cap space that, they have to use some they have to use somewhere that getting a getting you know a free agent then maybe finding a coach that that you know that whoever the free agent would want so if it was someone like James Harden you know maybe you know Mike D'Antoni's been is not is not a is not currently a head coach so maybe he you know you know maybe he comes back if you get you know if you know they come back as like a package kind of or hardened Antoni, or if you get someone like Middleton or Middleton, maybe, you know, get someone like Charles Lee off the, somebody kind of tied to whoever, whatever, whichever free agent you try to land. That's Mm. where maybe that comes into play. So it's, 
it's a very it's kind of a it's a it, it's a pretty fluid kind of situation where yeah you might you know you might get the players first and then find a coach that fits the veterans and the guy you know the guys that they already have and see how that you know kind of all meshes together so that's that yeah sense. so that's something to look out for kind of as they kind of go through this kind of over the summer and you know next year or two so see how they approach building out their team kind of in the future i like that i do i think it's interesting to see where they are we know right now they're just not great um yeah john um john wall had some enlightening things to say about the organization you know calling out the blatant tanking you know I'm going after some folks that were starting. It was a lot there. That, inter- that interview was illuminating. I think just as a general basketball fan, if you want to find some interesting perspectives, check out the John Wall. Um, just put John Wall interview on YouTube. And then also DeJounte Murray was on All the Smoke. Um, and that was also a very interesting podcast. I listened to it in his takes on Popovich, the Spurs organization. Very, very interesting. That's all I'm going to say. But speaking of um, the Spurs, Great segue there. Uh, let's go to the other team down there in Texas uh, and get your takes on that, Richard. We have the San Antonio Spurs, uh, a team that, you know, they lost Devin Vassell um, for uh, presumably what I think will be for the rest of the season, um, just recovering from that knee surgery, that arthroscopic procedure uh, that was uh, January 11th. So, I mean, he was spotted Tuesday doing some work on the treadmill. Uh, that was reported from Tom Osborne of the San Antonio Express News. Uh, but I don't think he's playing. And, you know, with that being said, you have players like Jakob Pertl, like Josh Richardson, like Doug McDermott, who could be on the block this trade deadline and could be way more useful on contending teams than they are on the San Antonio Spurs roster. But that being said, mired right there in the thick of it in terms of the tankathon race. Um, Kelton Johnson's been nice, struggled with some inefficiency, but aside from that, has been a pretty solid scoring clog along with the cell. Um, Trey Jones has been steady. You know, I've loved um, Zach Collins and his improved play. There's been a lot up and down, but I want to get, of course, the expert here in your analysis on the San Antonio Spurs and what you've seen, what you like, what you don't like. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs just, you know, just taking just a much different approach than Houston where it's a, they're a little more kind of collectively focused. So even though they just don't have the talent to really pull it off, so they tried there, – there are little things that they try to do to kind of, you know, kind of – stay competitive, you know, where they know they are not very good in the half court. So they, they try to push pace as much as possible. They're up top five and top five in pace. They're actually, you know, there's a lot more ball movement. They more, more ball movement kind of in their system. So even though they just don't have, you know, guys who can go one-on-one and kind of score individually, they're ranked in the top five in assists. And so there are some times where they use little, little kind of movement sets to kind of, you know, for like little stretches kind of in second quarters where Doug McDermott will get a couple of, you know, get a couple of threes to go down off these little kind of curl and kind of, kind of fading fade actions. And then one thing that was kind of interesting, you know, kind of for a stretch when they were um, a stretch kind of, you know, maybe it was a few weeks ago, but they kind of experimented with Jeremy Sohan as a point guard, which, if you know you're really checking, you know you were thinking, you know, looking at him last draft cycle and kind of and into kind of the type of player he was, he was coming out of college. You this, you know, kind of this usage would seem really weird, but you know, it ta- but you know, 
But then if you look at kind of, but then if you kind of look at the history of kind of different kind of forwards that they've had, it's kind of, it can make some sense into why they've done this where, so, you know, considering that they had in the past, Boris Diaw, Kyle Anderson. So if they, you know, want to develop him as like a playmaking kind of playmaking forward, kind of giving him some reps at the, at the point to kind of, kind of, you know, let him kind of, you know, kind of improve his ability to kind of read defenses and make plays is something that, you know, that, you know, he can build on moving forward at times. It does kind of work, especially in situations where they're playing against kind of, you know, against backcourts where they're a little undersized. So you can kind of, you know, get Sohan matched up on a smaller guard. And then, you know, if you get him, and then from there, you know, you can run little handoff actions to maybe get Keldon Johnson up against kind of a an undersized defender to maybe give him an give him a a different look. Or if they're you know kind of playing off Sohan because he's not really a shooter at this stage, you know, you can get little little kind of little handoff, you know, kind of threes off handoffs and things of that nature. And you can kind of you know kind of read and recognize defensive different defensive coverages based on kind of just how, how defenses are trying to react to kind of these kind of unusual lineups. But there's been, yeah, kind of, so there have been sort of elements of experimentation even before, you know, Vassell went down with his injury. They were kind of, you know, they, they started him for a while. Then they kind of, you know, were experimenting with him as like a six man to try to see if they could sustain scoring from a little bit better. But, you know, but, you know, kind of the way that they kind of have – the way that they are structured kind of now, they have some interesting pieces, but they are a little bit overextended where Keldon Johnson is scoring in volume, but that's really not sort of his – it's not the role that he, you know, should be playing moving forward. He's probably better suited as a second, third, secondary kind of or a third option. And, and then, you know, maybe, you know, that, you know, Vassell off the bench where he comes in, you know, as – kind of more six, maybe a little bit, you know, you know, more efficient kind of as a six man type. And then mm-hmm. Sohan as that point kind of playmaking forward could be like a good complimentary set of guys to, you know, to put around a superstar, a, a star type guy. So then they can kind of move their team and just kind of one of the more interesting elements that is uh, that, about this kind of Spurs rebuild is the fact that um, Brett Brown is is um, is Popovich's lead assistant, so we have a tie to sort of the main rebuild of the last ten years. So you have uh, so you have you know you have obviously Brett Brown was the coach in Philly for the process, and so now he's he's in San Antonio, and they're kind of adopting some of these kind of more interesting tactics where, you know, they're resting guys at really kind of interesting strategic moments where, where, you know, like Jakob Pertl will sit on against teams that have, you know, that have centers, which is pretty, which is kind of counterintuitive because you would think like you're, you would play your best interior defender against, you know, against, you know, a top flight center. And so you would, but, you know, they would use kind of those little substitutions and then kind of these other sort of alternate uses of players. And then, and then, yeah, kind of that 
coaching staff has come up with this kind of, you know, interesting free throw motion for Soham that has um, boosted his, you know, free throw percentage by, you know, by at least 10, 20% where he's shooting wow. with, where he's shooting with, where instead of shooting with normal kind of with a guide hand and just kind of a normal shooting motion, they just take the guide hand off and he's it's shooting them one handing. And he's been shooting, you know, up, you know, around 70% with that, with that motion. So okay, there are things where they're just kind of taking kind of getting kind of unique kind of solutions to kind of smaller problems that, that will hope, you know, can lead to bigger things. So that's kind of been kind of an interesting to watch out for. And then also then as far as the trade deadline comes around, they do have guys on their team that are still showing that they have some value where, you know, Jakob Pertl's, you know, can give you a little bit of, you know, interior defense and rebounding and, you know, a little, you know, you know, efficient finishing around the, around the basket, you know, Doug McDermott is still pretty reliable kind of movement, you know, catch and shoot shooter around the league. And then, you know, if you need an extra three and D guy, you know, Josh Richardson, you know, could be had for, you know, maybe, you know, something relatively, you know, cheap in terms of, you know, just, you know, value yeah contract contract young player second round pick something like that so yeah there are guys like that that they can still sell off and add you know add and accumulate value add and accumulate assets so Mm -hmm. that's been interesting to see as the season has kind of been playing out i agree it definitely is i think um like you said, both those players at the start of the season, it felt like the Spurs were shopping them or trying to flip for like a, a first round pick each. I don't think that's going to happen. You know what I mean? I think that they're definitely a, someone that could probably get value in a pair. You know, you could probably look at the Lakers or the Nets, you know, who'd probably want to make an offer on that, you know? Um, and uh, yeah, I agree. You don't want to let those guys walk in free agency. I doubt the Spurs will, even if that means maybe extending a player like, um, well, Doug McDermott, no. But, like, let's say they extend a Yaka Pertle. I can see them extend Yaka Pertle on a team-friendly contract with which to flip later, you know, if they, if they wanted to go that route. But I don't think they let him go for anything, uh, just for nothing. And Doug McDermott is, is on for the Spurs next year anyway. But Josh Richardson, you're right. As a swingman, can help a lot of teams. It's going to be interesting to see, like, where they go with that because you also have teams like the Magic with Terrence Ross, you know, teams like the Rockets with Eric Gordon, these other veteran swingmen um, who are on these rosters that don't fit, aren't really getting a lot of time, or if they are, it's not really working out too well, and they can help another team more than they're helping their incumbent team. So I definitely think that's interesting for sure. Um, looking at Charlotte, I think they're a clear team that just needs to continue their bottoming out race. You know, um, LaMelo Ball went down as recording this on the 19th. Uh, y'all been listening to us on the 20th, but he went down on the 18th with another ankle injury. I think it's just time to be safe and shut it down. Hornets uh, 12 and 34. Play some of the young guys. You know, bring James Booknight back. See if you if there's anything redeemable in him. He had a good night uh, for the Swarm a couple of days ago. Uh, watch their game. Good, 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 confident shot making. Just see if there's something there. If there's any value, you know what I mean. Aside from that, you know what Bryce McGowan's, you know Dennis Smith Jr. Guys like that should be getting this run. I honestly think I would be looking strongly at moving not just a Kelly Oubre or a, um, Mason Plumlee, but also looking at a Terry Rozier. I feel like his type of shot making, you know, secondary ball response. He's not a lead guard, but he can play like a secondary offensive initiator. That can help a lot of teams. Again the Lakers come to mind. You know what I mean? A team looking for 
offensive punch there. A few, a, a few squads could use him. And yeah, he's just entering, you know, year one of a three-year extension on his deal, but still just what, 28, 29? Like it could work. That's something I would think about. Um, but yeah, what do you think about the Hornets? Because I just feel like their path to me seems crystal clear. Yeah, it's pretty, yeah, because I think they haven't been moving forward as of, as of, you know, as of this season. So, yeah, exploring what you can, seeing what you can get out of somebody like Rozier, Kelly, and then maybe even PJ Washington, because, you know, they had a chance to sign him to an extension, but they weren't able to do that. So, yeah, maybe with, you know, maybe if they pair, you know, even if they pair guys together where it's like Rozier and Washington, maybe you might get more, more value back in a trade in a trade just because they you know they just don't have any other sort of additional sort of assets aside from their own first round pick and they also gave they also owe one in oh one which you know kind of which was traded on i believe the kai jones trade when on draft night so there was so there was, yeah. So they they do they're in a little bit of a deficit when it comes to draft picks and things of that nature. So yeah, maybe just kind of flipping guys like Rosie, you know, flipping some veteran guys just to you know to kind of you know maybe kind of shift you know kind of shift around some payroll and shift around some payroll and and kind of find maybe find you know kind of better long term pieces to kind of put around Lamelo Ball is kind of a is kind of a is kind of the way to go because right now like it's really it's really just LaMelo ball kind of by him you know kind of in he's kind of stuck in this kind of position kind of by himself kind of with a team that doesn't look like it has a whole lot of upward mobility so yeah kind of you know bottoming out to get a high high pick would help but then you know kind of finding kind of retooling to kind of find kind of other pieces to kind of put you know to kind of play with LaMelo ball and even find like a more uh, a little bit better structure to kind of play. Cause yeah, they're a little bit, there's, there was a kind of a bit of a structure kind of sh- structural shift as they went from Borrego where they were playing, you know, a much faster tempo system to Steve Clifford who was a really staunch kind of defensive minded kind of slower pace sort of coach. And so it's God, yeah. interesting to it's, it's, it's not exactly a great, it's a really kind of a great fit with, you know, system and kind of it, like where the you know, where LaMelo ball and the system don't quite fit together. Cause you kind of want to use LaMelo LaMelo's ability to kind of push the ball and kind of creatively kind of play in transition kind of to kind of help the offense. But if he's kind of, you know, stuck kind of walking the ball up, it's a little bit of a, it's not the best use of his skill set. So that's where mm-hmm. another thing they had to kind of have to folk, you know, kind of have to work out as they kind of go through these next, you know, as, as they go through kind of, you know, the trade deadline off season and so forth. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. It's going to be interesting to see where they go, but I'm with you. I think you made a good, um, interesting analogy or not a history analogy, but kind of look back into what Borrego brought to the table and the stylates diet excuse me, the stylistic differences between a Borrego, between a Clifford. I still think, I think everyone thought this was going to happen. Clifford was not the guy for the job. Uh, it should have been interesting when you saw 
you know, uh, um, a guy like Kenny Atkinson make tracks going the other direction on that team. But I still would have said, I still contend that having a, a guy like a, um, like a Mike D'Antoni would have been nice. If nothing else, just to unlock the offensive potential that that team had. Um, you know, obviously a lot's changed. Injuries have happened. The Miles Bridges situation, no one saw coming. So it's a lot there. But at the same time, I think that, I don't know, it's an interesting mix. And obviously I don't think it's one that's well suited for the roster they have at hand. But in either event, um, kind of looking through a few of these teams. I mean, we know Orlando. They've been, they're a frisky team that's just not in it. Um, I mean, they, they have, you know, some players that definitely can be traded. Paulo Bancaro's probably your shoe and for rookie of the year. You have um, some good talent there. Not a whole lot to write home of. I feel they're more middle of the pack. They're just safe enough. They're not in Houston territory. Um, but I don't think they're going to climb to, you know, Phoenix territory anytime soon. I kind of want to wrap up on these final three teams here. Phoenix and Chicago still want to hold out a little bit on just because I feel like they're going to be a, something that we know a lot more of come trade deadline time, the direction they go. And honestly, I don't think Phoenix should really be there to begin with. They just had the month from hell, you know, in terms of January, as that's been. But between Washington, Toronto, and the Lakers, what squad most interests you in terms of where they stand um, and where they could possibly go in the lottery as opposed to play-in, playoff contention status? Yeah, I think Toronto is the team that's kind of the most interesting out of this because they hold – they could go – they have the – they have the assets to buy, but they also have some pieces that are really valuable and could be could get them a lot in terms of a, in terms of a trade if they sold sold them off. Namely, you know, namely Pascal Siakam and Van Vliet. Where if the, if they actually did decide that they would sell those, you know, Siakam would probably be the best player available on you know in the trade market and so it would be one of the it could it could get him a return similar to like what these what a bunch of these other teams have gotten like atlanta like the kind of return like atlanta got for Dejounte murray or you know or, or even you know kind of i mean maybe not quite in the you know donovan mitchell range but maybe around the you know kind of two you know like the threes or so first round picks for DeJounte Murray, where depending on the team that is interested in, in him, you know, they could get a return like that. Fred Van Vliet's a little bit older. Um, yeah, kind of having a down year. But um, you know, he could also he could also be a part of a trade and then that could get, you know, Toronto a couple of couple of extra picks, maybe some young guys. There have been some kind of reports that maybe Orlando might be interested in. Van Vliet, where it could be some kind of consolidation type, consolidation type trade where they have, they have, you know, they have three point guard, point guard prospects, but you know, not a single one of, not a single one of them really held down, kind of held down the, held down kind of the job. And so if they, you know, maybe packaged, you know, like Fultz, some kind of Fultz, some combination of Fultz, Suggs, Cole Anthony, some picks, you know, and then for Van Vliet and possibly extend him, that gets you a more solid kind of solid point guard and maybe also gives you kind of a veteran who can a veteran who can kind of help guide kind of the younger guys like Van Caro, Bull Bull, Wendell Carter, Franz Wagner. So that there is, you know, 
you know, there are, there's in some ways that, that kind of that line of thinking does kind of make sense. So it all just kind of depends on whether or not Toronto is willing to kind of just kind of start over and just kind of, you know, start, start over or retool and kind of build more, more of their team kind of along Scotty Barnes's timeline versus their veteran, you know, their, you know, versus their veterans who were still there from 2019. So yeah, that that's going to be an interesting team to kind of pay attention to towards the trade deadline because yeah, they could go either way and they have, they have, they could either, yeah, they could either cash some things in to buy, you know, get an extra piece or they can, you know, go in a completely different direction and then maybe get, you know, pretty sizable haul if they decide to do so. Yeah, I agree with you. It's going to be really interesting to see where the Raptors fall because they are right there on the crux. Like I can see them go in either direction. Like you said, they have the potential with the players they have currently in the contract and what they get back in deals. You know, Siakam, Van Vliet, you know, uh, obviously Gary Trent, you know, flip those guys, see what you can get back in prospects, you know, um, picks, whatever the case may be, or say, hey, We've been ravaged by injuries, you know. It's not been easy in the East, you know. We've had some down seasons from some of our top guys, yes, but we can just bounce back. We love what Van Vliet has given to the program over the last couple of years. We want to commit to him long-term. They can also double down, and I wouldn't be against it either way. I feel like they're the team that it really is almost a good measuring stick for this transaction-happy stage that, I mean, I love, you know, that we as fans are because on the one hand, they could be going through a rough patch right now. You know what I mean? And right now, yes, other teams are better and they haven't separated themselves above the pack or dropped so low that they're, you know, easily blow it up. But they're they're in play to go either way. So I agree. It's going to be really interesting to see where they fall. And we only have a few short weeks to really find out the direction they ultimately choose to go in. But I guess I'll close real quick just talking about the Lakers. I mean, it's simple. Richard, we both know Lakers aren't trying to lose. You know, they're trying to win. Uh, the problem is they just don't have a lot of assets in hand to make the plays they want to make, especially when every other team that's waiting to make a move has substantially more substantially more assets than the Lakers have to offer. You know, it's either a package of your 27, your 29 first-round pick, you know, uh, Kendrick Nunn, a Patrick Beverly, a Russell Westbrook, and apparently Russell Westbrook's not really in trade discussion anymore. So you're looking at a Kendrick Nunn and a Beverly. That's not going to yield a whole lot of interest, you know? And the 27, 29 first round picks, while nice, are only inflated as much as they are because they are the only bullets in the Lakers draft chamber right now that really makes a difference, that isn't controlled by other teams or down the line, you know? So that that is the issue. I mean, I guess they could wait until the draft and have the pick that they ultimately get in addition to the 27, 29 pick. But the problem is by that point, LeBron will have passed Kareem for all time on the scoring list and the Lakers will probably still be out of the playoffs. So... I kind of want to throw it back to you real quick. Uh, this is less of, eh, I was going to say it's less of a lottery question or a trade question, but honestly, here's the thing. Lakers right now have stands in the lottery. They don't want to be there. How do you expect they get out of it? I'm not sure. Yeah, there's a way for them to get out of it this year, just because if you just yeah. look, yeah, they only have, they only have the one or two. Yeah, the, the, yeah, they only have maybe two, yeah, two first round picks to give up. But if you look at like, cost of you know making trades nowadays like two for you know two first round picks is you know is, is you know like if you look at that you know like donovan a guy like donovan mitchell you know a team gave up four and you know like four you know like or like it was like three in swaps or you know four you know you're talking four or five you know like 
you know, it, it requires four or five to get anyone who's going to really move the needle. So if you're getting, you know, if it's two, then it's somebody kind of little bit more incremental. So it's, you know, you know, are those two pick, are those two picks worth giving up for someone who might get you into a play, you know, may into a, into a play in spot and, you know, and so that's, it's kind of, and then, you know, they just kind of don't have like the contracts to kind of match to, to, you know, to really make a deal work. Cause, and also like if, you know, these guys, you know, the guys that they've been kind of putting in play have kind of been available for a while. And so at this point you'd say, you know, what at some, you know, if they make a move, it's probably, you know, going to be something pretty kind of, pretty minor kind of relatively, you know, like, you know, maybe it's a, you know, a piece kind of shuffle, you know, if it's, it's, it might be someone in kind of the Josh, Josh Richardson, Gary Harris range more so than anybody kind of impact. So, you know, somebody, you know, if it, it's probably closer to involving, you know, second round picks, expiring contracts, you know, maybe a young, you know, maybe, you know, Maybe you know somebody kind of wants to take a flyer on somebody like Max Christie or something. You know, it's it's kind of some you know kind of it's probably a trade along those lines on the kind of seemingly kind of lower I, stakes than kind of yeah. something kind of at the at the higher you know kind of shot <laughs> higher you know, echelon, at the higher yeah. end of the kind of trade you know kind of the higher end of the market. So that's and then yeah, so their best hope is really yeah kind of really you know it might just be you know kind of hold on you know kind of just ride this out and maybe cap space so kind of they, yeah cap, you might be able to you know use the cap space you have to kind of build a more well-rounded roster but with this you know kind of with the situation that they're in it doesn't look like they can really do anything that will turn them around to the point where they can legitimately kind of get out you know to get out up. yeah we're, we're not thinking finals contention for sure with this squad or any moves that they might make from here yeah that's yeah and, and that's sad i mean look at a, a, a team that i was hoping would be an analogy for this lebron squad heading into the season was that 2018 cast squad remember Derek Rose, Jay Crowder, Dwayne Wade, you know, all these kind of ill-fitting pieces that at the time we had potential because we were excited, LeBron, all that. And then we saw what they did, and they, the Cavs front office, credit to Colby Altman and them, were able to just totally set up a brand new team, and and, and, and boom. Next thing you know, Jordan Clarkson, George Hill, Larry Nance Jr., you know, these new guys come in, the greatness of LeBron, back into the finals, right? Like, that's the type of hope that there was for this Lakers team. But then, I mean, that was for me. If things didn't go right, which I didn't expect they did, because that was like, this roster, come on. But obviously we see what happens when you come in with an ill-fitting roster and you don't have the resources necessary to get yourself out of this hole. That happens. You know, it's 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 a roster construction trap when you've kind of meddled and meddled and got yourself into a spot where it's like, okay, now we got to live with the results. It just so happens that you happen to have an all-time great, you know, playing his twilight years, reaching the NBA's highest echelon of honors, and you can't seem to find your way out of playing a tough team against, a tough game against the Houston Rockets. You know what I mean? So I agree. Like, it's it's a lot there. I, I definitely do want to say I really hope they don't move Max Christie. Not so much because I like Max Christie. You no, know, all due respect, 6'6 wing, his shooting stroke's pretty solid. He plays with a lot of poise. Um, I like him, 
but I really was hoping the Lakers would have drafted Jaden Hardy instead of him during this draft. And we mm-hmm. see how Jaden Hardy has looked for the, with the Dallas Mavericks. And I think that's how a play would have been perfect. Probably wouldn't have had to give the whole mid-level exception to Lonnie Walker as much as I love him because you might have a similar player doing the exact same type of thing, albeit younger and under team control. So I, I, Max Christie, I just need to keep him because if he's not, then it's like a total signed by the Lakers front office that okay our scouting really doesn't mean anything because we're not going to keep our players or we're going to massively overpay them and I feel they let a much better prospect go in Jane Hardy it's still very early I understand that but I was I loved Jane Hardy as a prospect he's my type of player but I really thought he would translate and he so far he has and the fact that they slipped to the Lakers they had a chance to get him and did not get him that's what irritates me that's what irritates <laughs> me <laughs> but Richard um Thank you again, as always, for hopping on. Do you have any last thoughts on these lottery teams before we call it a wrap for this one? Yeah, I mean, so far, yeah. So, yeah, I guess another thing to kind of watch out for as, you know, kind of the trade deadline hits is where, you know, you might get, you know, a lot more lot, lot more of these veteran guys kind of sitting out as we get in. So, you know, these teams will might look, you know, the lineups will look very different, you know, maybe, you know, in March than they would be now. So, there could be, and then in that process, you know, maybe a, a young player or something kind of gets playing time that, you know, wouldn't have otherwise. And, you know, some of these guys might kind of, you know, kind of have surprise and have some stretches. So that's, you know, it's, you know, there could be some new faces that could kind of come along and kind of take advantage of opportunities kind of in these kind of situations as we get kind of, Closer to the end of the season and kind of the whole, you know, sweepstakes for Wimbenyama. So that'll be sort of interesting to see how that plays out. Absolutely. I agree. It's going to be something we're going to have a show, obviously, right after the trade deadline, you know, here in a couple of weeks with the ramifications that it had on, you know, these lottery teams, on these teams that are right now in the lottery for Tankathon and where they might fall and what might happen there. So definitely be sure to check out that. It's going to be a fun one to kind of see okay, we're talking about where these teams could be. Let's see what they've done and how that might impact their standings, their race to the bottom, or the climate to the top, whatever the case may be. So that'll be here in less than a month. I'm definitely excited for that, Richard. But uh, listen, as always, man, I appreciate you taking your time coming over here, joining me, giving me your insights, giving us your insights and, and notes on these squads. And I mean, it's really invaluable and something very much appreciated. So can you tell the folks where they can find you, find your work? As always, like I get you here a lot. We're going to going to share the mess out of it let's get those contacts yeah absolutely you can find me on twitter i'm at rvl hoops on twitter so yeah that's where you can go to get updates on any content that i provide um yeah i'm on you can search for my name on amazon and you should you know come up on my author page and you'll get um that'll that'll give you access to all my past um my past draft almanacs my past preview almanacs i come out with um one of each kind of every year. So the draft almanac is going to be coming out um, in June, right before this draft. And then, you know, right before next season, there'll be a preview preview almanac. So you can find those on Amazon and then, and then for any kind of additional comment, additional kind of posts or content kind of about, you know, that I, you know, kind of think up, you know, kind of as the season kind of progresses, I use my Substack, the addendum, and you can find that as, at richardlue.substack.com so you know go to that if you know there's so go to that kind of for some kind of seasonal kind of content kind of 
some some thoughts on kind of some you know kind of current events or kind of just kind of or kind of you know event things that are kind of happening kind of around the league kind of at the time so that's where you can kind of find me twitter at rvl hoops amazon and substack really appreciate that man thank you again um recommend his books i swear by them like check it out like please all of this stuff is great work. His Substack's great. I wish I could take half of the articles that um, you and your brother have written on your website as well, um, NBA Scouting Live, and print those into a book because those are invaluable as well. Um, they're one of my favorite pieces they've done, or, or one of them. I, I don't want. I don't want to credit the wrong person. You tell me who it was, but they looked back at the 2017 draft. This was last year, and looked back at each player and looked where they were, the scouting analysis back then, what they look like now. That was like some of the best work. That yeah, that was, yeah, that was my, that was Alan. Yeah, yeah, he's, yeah, yeah, he, he, he writes mostly content for NBA Scouting Live. So yeah, you want to check out some more content. Yeah, yeah, he does great stuff. Yeah, we, yeah, he does great stuff on that. Y'all make a great team. Yeah, and I'm about to say, and if you, Rich's work on the trader, trade buyers and sellers that he's did this past, I want to say almost a month ago now, yeah. um, you wrapped up the series on that. So, so good. And like I said, I have the link to the Substack to the uh, Amazon page. Can't speak enough about it. That's why I took another minute to share more about it. So definitely do that. Uh, listen, I had to say all that because not a whole lot to say about myself. If you're interested, follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. Definitely appreciate any of the love there. Uh, also on Instagram for however you want to look that up. Uh, you can check out Sports Ethos on Twitter at Sports Ethos, S-P-O-R-T-S-E-T-H-O-S, online, sportsethos.com. But this has been a great episode as always. Until next time, y'all, we are out for Richard. For myself, we are Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty and talk to y'all real.